0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم رب لي صدري لي من لساني ربنا السلام عليكم I hope you all are doing well in iman and in health. And I would like to welcome you all back to our next discussion in this Journey Through the Qur'an series produced by Iqna Sisters. So the last recording, we had discussed the introduction and the importance and essence of the Qur'an in general, and then we talked about Surah Al-Fatiha. Now I want to begin the discussion on Surah Al-Baqarah up until Ayah number 141. But before I begin any type of talk with you, I wanted to share a story with you that happened uh, to a companion by the name of Usaid Ibn Hudayr. So there was one night when he was reciting Surat Al-Baqarah and he had his horse tied right beside him. So as he was reciting, the horse was suddenly very startled and troubled. And you and I, we've seen horses in action, right? If, 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 you know, in real life and in, in on TV perhaps, where if they are startled or anxious, then they'll kick up their hooves or, you know, they'll start neighing really loudly. So that's when we know that this horse has become startled. So when this companion stopped reciting the Surah Al-Baqarah, the horse became very still and calm and quiet. But then when he would start reciting again, the horse was startled again. Then he stopped reciting, and the horse became quiet again, and then he started reciting again, and again the horse was startled and troubled. So this kept going on back and forth. So while telling this story, he said, I was afraid it would trample my son, Yahya. So he said, I stood near the horse and saw something like a canopy over my head, with what seemed to be lamps in it, rising up in the sky till it disappeared. So the next morning, Sayyid ibn Hudayr informed the Prophet ﷺ of the incident. And then the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ asked him, Do you know what that was? And ibn Hudayr replied, No. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said that those were angels who came near to you for your voice, and if you had kept on reciting till dawn, It would have remained there till morning when people would have seen it as it would have not disappeared. And this incident is narrated in in Bukhari Hadith. So this begins to tell you the blessings of Surat al-Baqarah and the virtuous nature that the Surah entails. And what a great and awesome Surah that it is. And furthermore, in a Muslim hadith, the Prophet Muhammad had said, Recite the Quran, for on the day of resurrection it will come as an intercessor for those who recite it. Recite the two bright ones, Al Baqarah and Surah Al Imran, for on the day of resurrection they will come as two clouds or two shades or two flocks of birds in ranks, pleading for those who recite them. Recite Surah Al Baqarah. For to take recourse to it is a blessing and to give it up is a cause of grief. And the magicians cannot confront it. And then in another hadith to relate its awesomeness, this surah, Abu Huraira, who reported that the Messenger of Allah, said, Do not turn your houses into graves. Shaytan does not enter the house where Surah Al-Baqarah is recited. And you can find this in Tirmidhi. So now we are understanding how blessed the Surah is, right? But the next question that comes to mind is why? And this is something you should be asking yourselves as well. Why is the Surah so blessed? So it's important for you and I to go through the significance of what the Surah Al-Baqarah entails. This surah begins to lay down the foundations of the Sharia, what the Islamic injunctions are in our deen. And right off the bat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the second ayah, after he says Aliflam, he says Zalikal fi. So this second ayah clears away any doubt of any kind. So he says that this is the book wherein there is no doubt. So when you come to the learning and studying of Quran, you will come free of any prejudices, any misconceptions, any misperceived notions, and any biases of any kind. So if you can get past that second ayah with a proper understanding, with proper implementation, and most importantly with sincere intentions, then the rest of your study and research will be simplified. In our last recording, I briefly mentioned before we ended that this surah, Surah al-Baqarah, talks about the three types of people and who are they and what are they all about. So the three mindsets that Allah subhanahu speaks about in the beginning of the surah is their relationship towards guidance. How do they take this guidance? What do they do with this guidance? And how do they share this guidance with other people? So the three types of people are, the first one is the mu'min. The second type of people are the kafir, is the kafir. And the third is the munafiq. So the first type of person is the mu'min, the true believer, the one who is always in search of truth. Right? So their sole desire is to be guided to the straight way. And in fact, this was the dua, right, that we make towards the end of Surah Al-Fatiha when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're asking for that guidance, Right. So now the answer is given in the beginning ayahs uh, describing us how this is the book. In it being guidance to those who fear Allah, who believe in the unseen, who establish the salat, who spend in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who believe in the books, and believe in the hereafter. All of these ingredients are the recipe for making someone... A true believer. The second type of person that Allah SWT mentions here is the kafir, the disbeliever who openly, continuously, outright defiantly rejects and denies the six things that I just mentioned. And when you have this type of person who comes to guidance this way, when they are presented with guidance, that Allah SWT will not guide them, because this is not what they want. The third type of person that Allah subhanahu wa mentions is the monophic. The, the characteristics of a hypocrite is clearly defined here in the surah as well. And we all have a very good idea what and who a hypocrite is. There's a simple formula that you can also use to determine hypocrisy. So let's say, for example, you have a set of beliefs if you subtract actions from that, then that equals hypocrisy. So basically, beliefs minus actions equal a munafiq So it's really important for us to expand our studies and our knowledge of the differences between each of these three, because obviously we want to be falling under the category of the movement. The person who is a true believer, who is God-fearing, who accepts all that they need to do in order to gain the pleasure of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is the person who is rightly guided. So after thorough explanation of the three categories uh, of these mindsets, then Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, invites all to submit and to surrender to the true worship of him. Then Allah goes on in the surah and challenges the reader who still may have doubts even this far into the surah to produce even one surah like this one. So, if that person could not get over that second ayah hurdle of accepting the fact that this is the book wherein there is no doubt, then most likely and most probably, he or she will continue to have doubt. So, when Allah is challenging the reader or the person who's doubting still and says, Okay, well, you know, try to produce one surah even like this, then basically that's a rhetorical statement, and then Allah is confirming the reality that this can never be done in spite of any assistance. And people have tried in the past to produce something. And even even with all the education that they have amassed, even with all the help and support they have to create something like a surah, they are not able, obviously, to come even slightly remotely close to what Allah wa ta'ala has here. Early in the surah, Allah further describes the position of man and how he became a vicegerent in this world. So, a vicegerent is one who is an earthly representative of God. And it is really significant to understand what elevates the human being from other creatures. What is it that Allah has blessed the human mind with? that he has not given to other of his creations it also in the quran at this point discusses the forces of good and evil and man's struggle with himself and satan and this struggle was a reality even for the prophet adam al however the difference here is that when the prophet adam al made a mistake he was taught certain words of forgiveness. He learned those words, and he repented in that way. So a part of overcoming your struggles is to, is the ability to admit the mistakes you have made, learn those proper words of remorse, and continuously strive to be better than before. This is the exact opposite of what, of what Shaitan did, what Iblis did. When he made the mistake... He was not remorseful, he did not learn appropriate words, and he was never turning back to Allah. The first section or the first part of the surah addresses also the former Muslim ummah. And this is really important to remember or highlight that the, the key word here is former, the Bani Israel. So these were the people who were acquainted with the tawheed, the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the prophethood, with revelations, with the hereafter, with the angels. So they knew all of these things. They were very much aware of all of these things that the different prophets had come to teach them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeatedly pardoned them. Again and again, they would go on, make their transgressions, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forgive them. But then they were finally stamped with misery and wretchedness because of three things. And these are also important to remember why. So the first reason why is because they rejected the revelations. Continuous rejection. The second reason why that they were stamped with misery and wretchedness is because they killed the prophets without any just cause. And the third reason why is because of their persistent transgression against the law. They were also put through many, many tests but ultimately did not succeed. Now this is being told to us because of the stark contrast that is the Prophet Ibrahim He also went through unimaginable tests. Just similar to what the Bani Israel were put through. But he was able to pass them with flying colors. He was able to passed these tests because of his commitment and upright nature towards the truth. He was appointed as leadership to mankind and he would invite those people to surrender to Allah and to reform the people in accordance with Allah's guidance. And he had such incredible vision, such long, deep-range vision that went far beyond himself Far beyond his children, his grandchildren, and his countrymen, it was something that would stick and and be there for generations to come. Actually, I was um, going through this uh, this article in the news, and I, I I really love keeping up with the news and and being aware of what's going on. But what I tend to do is, if the headline of a news strikes me as ludicrous and ridiculous I would just gloss over it or I would just scroll further down I I won't even pay any uh, that you know I won't even pay that much attention to it but there was one article and you may have come across it yourself and it talked was talking about how this woman has been collecting for the last 29 years has been collecting banana stickers You know those stickers that you, those stamps that you find on on the bunches of bananas. So she, and now that there is this banana stamp collecting community that she's a part of, have been collecting these stickers for decades. And they're also very worried because the elderly members of this community are passing on. So who's going to carry out this work and etc, etc and all through this article i was trying to find for what purpose would she and others do this what was what is the significance that that's held i thought maybe it was connected to some religious event or maybe some other creative thinking process that took place with it but no it was just collecting stickers off of bananas throughout the world and she would go as far as to uh, even collect the, the stickers from bananas that were thrown in, in the dumpsters and the trash cans. this was this woman's vision and a couple of hundred with her but my 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 concern is or, or my question is what benefit is mankind reaching? from this banana stamp collection. The goals that she has set after she passes on from this world, what am I to achieve from that? Going back to Prophet Ibrahim this incredible vision, and you'll see it in Surah al-Baqarah, this incredible vision that he had for the future and how hard he worked to make it a reality for the generations to come, and the sacrifices he made along the way. Yes, they were all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were all done to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when we pass on from this world, we want to leave a legacy behind us that people for, for generations to come can benefit from. So we have to, like Prophet Ibrahim, we have to set a goal. We have to invest in that goal with tireless efforts. And all the while, from beginning to end, making constant du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help your vision become a reality, even if not in your lifetime. And furthermore, furthermore, the building of this Kaaba was to show to mankind that it was the center for worship of the one true Allah. And as he was making the Kaaba and he was erecting it and constructing it with the different bricks, and, and, and he was doing this with his family, he got his family involved in this work. So the, the doors he was making to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to establish this house as a place of worship (coughs) for generations to come, and to bring a messenger to teach the people and purify them were answered about three to four thousand years later. So again, his vision was far, was very insightful. And the benefit of this du'a, the du'as that he made are still being reaped to this day by millions of Muslims every year. SubhanAllah. We sisters have to have that insight and and that much understanding and making that many du'as to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us Establish the work that we need to do and to leave a mark on the people so that they continue the work once we are gone from this world. So, with this discussion today, inshallah, we will conclude and we will continue in the next recording with ayah number 142 of Surah Al Baqarah. Please, as a reminder, Keep forwarding these recordings to those you think will benefit inshallah ta'ala, and then you will again see the rewards uh, coming to you from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala Subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk